You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. Romans 8, how, how does it start? It starts out with what? No. Ends in no. Right on, okay. And yes, there is no separation. There is glory. There is magnificence. There is eternity that will come one day for the child of God. But let's face it, for right now, we are in the age of groaning. We are in the age of suffering. We, whether that be our bodies, whether that be creation, whether that be the society around us, our culture around us, you just watch the news, you listen to the news, you read the news, and you just see everything is just groaning around us, and, and, and it's broken, and it's deteriorating, and none of us are immune from that brokenness and from that groaning, whether that's in our old, aged, tired bodies, and even you young bucks, you get pretty sore, and you get pretty aged, and you're starting to see the wrinkles and the, even the gray hairs that start to form. I remember starting to always pluck them when I saw them. Now I'd be bald if I would do such a thing. But none of us are immune from this groaning. Some, and, and, and none of us, are, we're all going to be affected. We're not going to get through this life unscathed. We're going to have tragedies. We're going to have disappointments. We're going to have failures that are going to be a part of our lives. And let's not buy into the crazy thinking, the crazy thinking and the crazy teaching that is out there these days that God promises, you know, or that teaching that, that God promises or suggests that once you become a Christian, once you become a follower of Jesus, that yes, everything will be perfect. Everything will be wonderful. There'll be less bad things that will happen to you. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. Teachers, false teachers will teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible tells us we will experience hardships and trials. We will suffer like everyone else does in this world. We will suffer from the same illnesses, financial troubles, same bereavements. We will suffer depression, stresses, difficult relationships, accidents, tragedies, the suffering, yes, even persecution. These are things that we can expect as followers of Christ. You're not going to get a free ride once you pray the prayer, walk the aisle, do whatever, you know, just kind of, we may kind of coin things as all of a sudden now everything's going to be easier. No, it's not. And yet in all of this, in this age of groaning, in this time of suffering, this difficulty, the confusion that we can find ourselves in, God is not silent. We have some excellent, some incredible, awesome promises from God's word. He is not silent. He is not absent. He is faithful in what he has to say. And today we are going to look at one of the most amazing passages of scripture. This, this verse that is just amazing. R.A. Torrey, this old evangelist pastor guy, he called Romans 8.28 a soft pillow for the tired heart. And I wonder today, do you need a soft pillow to put your tired heart on? This is where we find that. This promise can and ought to silence the accusing, the shaming, the, 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 the voices that are in our heads telling us we're losers, we're worthless, you squandered your life, you've messed up, you've messed up, there's no hope, you are beyond repair. There may be hope for others, but not for you. You're damaged goods. No matter what anyone says, those voices can be going on in our heads, or sometimes those voices may be from other people around us. Now, these verses aren't just a, a spiritual pep talk to kind of get us through, 
but rather these verses that we're going to look at over the next number of weeks can put a hope so solid, so big, that it can get us through anything that happens in this life. Any tragedy that comes your way or that has come your way. These verses in verse 28, and then we'll see, Lord willing, next Sunday in verses 29 and 30, give us hope, real hope. Hope that comes not just from circumstance and just that hope I cross my fingers. This is a hope that comes to us beyond, from beyond this life, than beyond the years that we have here. This soft pillow allows us to become confident, cheerful, strong, resilient, pain-tolerant, tough people for the display of Jesus in the madness of our times. This is the hope that we're looking at today. And I even pray right now, God, would you just give each person here, each person listening, in their car, on the patio, online, later on this week that will be listening or watching to this, God, would you give each one of us the faith to believe, the faith to hold on. God, help our unbelief. In those situations that right now you're thinking about, there's nothing, there's no good in this. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would bring this hope through your word. God, would you bring healing? Would you bring restoration? Would you work by your spirit today in each one of us? Restore to us. Would you save the lost? And those that are saved, God, I, find that we, I pray that we would find great hope. And so do this work in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read here God's word. You can hear me talk, but man, God's word just says it. Verse 28. Josh read it already for us this morning, but we're going to read it again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And, and we'll get to this next week. That's past tense. That's the way God's already looking at us. It's, it's, it's amazing. Love this. I, that will be for next week. Advertiser to get, advertising to get here next week. And so what we see here, we're just going to get through one of the promises that we get to see here. God promises to us here in verse 28 that even bad can be good. Even the bad in life can be good. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, let's break down this verse. We've got some time to look at this verse here this morning. And it, and it says, first of all, and we know. This is a rock-solid knowledge that we can have. This isn't, you know, let's face it, there's a lot of things we don't know, right? We don't know what's going to happen to us in the days ahead. Brett reminded us last Sunday that at times we don't even know what to pray. And that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. The Holy Spirit will take our, 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 our groanings. The Holy Spirit will take and, 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 and intercede, kind of wash and polish the prayers that make them fit for heaven, make them fit for God. That's what the Holy Spirit, at times we don't know what to pray. We don't know what the weather's going to be like, do we? I mean, yesterday, Friday, leading up to, to, to this weekend, Friday, Saturday, 
big chance of rain. I was thinking, we're going to be online. I hope not. I hope you, the meteorologist, I mean, how great would it be to have a job where you can be wrong like 90% of the time and still keep your job, right? Like lucky, you know, like how amazing is that? Anyways, we don't know what the weather's going to be like. We don't know if we're going to make it through the second service. Maybe it'll be a downpour. They said not, but who knows? We don't know these things. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the days, weeks, months, years. We don't know if we'll have good health or poor health. We don't know how our finances, how our family, how our relationships, we don't know how our career will go. We don't know any of that. But here is something that God says you can know. And if you're an underliner, I encourage you to be an underliner in your Bible. Underline this. You can underline that word, no. This is certainty. God's not saying, well, I think, I have a hunch. Well, we'll flip a coin on this. No. The word no here in Greek is a confident from the deep down depths core of our being conviction and it's also in the present tense, this word. And we know th this means it's active. It's presently true. It's trending. It's trending in our lives that God is working. We can know this truth. It's trending. It's happening now in real time. Even with what you are facing right now. This is a truth that God wants us all to be confident in. That whatever it is that we're facing in this age of groaning, in this past week of the groaning and the angst and the uncertainty in your life, that even the bad can be good. This is what we can know, that even the bad can be good. Let's continue. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I mean, again, that's quite a statement. All things work together for good. Now, before you go and you take Romans 8.28 and you start thinking about a tattoo design with Romans 8.28 on it or buy a mug or a bumper sticker on your car or purchase that Thomas Kincaid perfect airbrush painting that has, you know, Romans 8.28 somewhere on it, we must understand this verse biblically. We mustn't just claim it or, or, or believe it just half flippantly. We must know what it says. We must understand it in this way because this verse isn't just seen as some sort of Pollyanna, optimistic, power of positive thinking. Will it? Just will it? Just yes, believe it and it will happen kind of thing. That, it's not that kind of a mantra. That's not what we're talking about here. In fact, there's some caveats that we're going to have here, and that's going to make up the bulk of our, our, our message here is these caveats to this so that it's not just some feel-good, just, you know, positive thinking, just have the faith, and you're going to get through this kind of thing. We've got to make sure that faith is important, but that it's rock-solid based in the truth of God's Word. And so these caveats or these asterisks or these conditions or stipulations that there are to this verse. And the first one being is that we must understand that this, this, this promise is not universal. It's not a universal promise. It's not for all people. It's not for everyone on the planet. This isn't meant to bring comfort and hope to the whole of humanity. So you've got to be careful who you share this with. You've got to be careful in how you share it and how you live it. You have to look at your own life because it may be applicable for you. It may not be applicable for you. Because look at what it, in Romans 8, 28, it's not just, you know, don't worry, be happy, keep your chin up, bucko, things are just, you know, things are just going to work out. No, this is for Christians. This is for believers in Christ. It is for those who, as it says, for those who love God, for those called according to his purpose. That's vital. 
the, the words in there, those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. This is a promise for the church. This is the promise for the body of Christ. This is the promise for believers. This is a promise for you. This is a promise for you today if, if, are you listening? It's for you if, if, and only if you have trusted and believed and put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And this isn't just a, yeah, sure, I love the big guy upstairs. Yeah, you sure, I love him. I kind of have this kind of like this general warm feeling towards God. And sometimes I get a little overwhelmed with my kind of love and, 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 and thoughts of God. No, it's more than that. It isn't this, yeah, I said a prayer, you know, years ago at summer camp or a vacation Bible school at some sort of evangelistic crusade. I walked the aisle. Woohoo! I guess Romans 8.28 is for me. No, you see this word love. Here is the word agape, which isn't a casual, just kind of an in and out, kind of conditional kind of love. This is the love of God, the love that God has for us. And in return, in response to his love for us, we love him back. This is a sacrificial, committed, from the heart kind of love. This, this describes the love that God has for us. And this word love is active. It, it's also, we see it here, it's in the active tense. It literally could read like this or should read like this, that for those who are loving God, all things work together for good. And remember Jesus said in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, if you agape me, if you love me sacrificially, if you, you're going to keep my commands. He says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commands. And our highest expression of love back to God in response of what he's done for us is desiring to live for him. It is to obey his word the best that we can. And none of us are going to do that perfectly, but I trust we're doing it progressively, that we're becoming more and more like Christ. You see, none of us love God perfectly or constantly or even consistently, do we? No, we run off and we chase after and we love other things. And we fight with this sinful nature within us that pulls us and distracts us. We get self-centered and we pursue and chase lesser things. We all do this. And yet there is within us this desire to follow, to obey, to serve, to bring glory to God. Not out of begrudging submission, fine, I'll serve you then just to show that I love you. No, it is out of the overflow of our heart because of that response and what he's done for us. This is a response love. And so we're loving God in return because he has so graciously loved us. And it says, for those called according to his purpose. You see, God's greatest plan and purpose for your life is that we would be saved, that we would receive, we would accept, we would bend the knee, we would receive that gospel call, the offer of salvation. If you're putting them off, if you've been putting them off for weeks or months or for years, stop putting them off and, 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 and surrender your life to him. You see, by confessing and repenting our sins, admitting, yes, we failed, we, we've, we've messed up more than anyone could ever, God knows how much, and by turning and following Jesus Christ, receiving him, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, we begin this process then of transformation, of becoming more like Christ. And, and as we grow as believers in Christ, our lives ought to reflect even more and more. We emulate, imitate our big brother, who is Jesus and so remember, Romans 8.28 is not universal. And I wonder today, have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you trusted in Christ alone?
for the salvation of your soul. Not good works, not by just trying to do enough good and hoping it'll get on the grand eternal scale of things and the good will outweigh the bad. That's not how it happens because none of us could, could ever do that. Do you love God today? Have you received him as your savior? And if you do love him today, are you pressing into that love? Again, not perfectly because none of us can. And maybe today, child of God, it starts with confessing and repenting before God that you have been loving and pursuing other things. You have placed other idols, you have placed other people, other goals in your life over and above that of God. Child of God, this is an amazing promise for you today. And God will work this out in us. He will work out Romans 8.28 out in us as children of God one way or another. He will. That's more for next week. He'll work it out. But are we going to continue to keep resisting and rebelling and wasting opportunities and losing, living in a life of joyless spirituality? Choose today. Run back to him in love. Either for the first time or maybe it's been a long time. Run back to him. But hold on, there's a few more caveats we have to look at here, and you see it in your outline. You see it on the bottom of the screen here. Because it also says, all things work together for good. And this is the second caveat we see here. All means all. That word all is important. Now, by saying all things, here is what Paul is technically saying. Like, it's, it's so clear in the Greek. And, and even in the English, it's pretty clear. Here's technically what he's saying when he says all things. Here's what he's saying. He's saying... All things, that plain and simple. Not just some things, but all things. In other words, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted with God. Nothing. Not one issue, not one circumstance. It is not wasted with God. We must understand that. Charlotte has an aunt who lives, well, she just actually passed away about 10 days ago. She lived in the Edmonton area with her family. She passed away at the age of 92. She was one of those hardworking Saskatchewan farm girls. And, and she lived with this nothing wasted mentality. I always laugh because she always kind of wore um, blouses, um, shirts, kind of that showed her arms. And she was built like she, like she, like, I thought she looked a lot like Popeye. Like she had veins popping up. She would clean houses on the side. She would, um, her husband was more of the accountant type. And, and, and so she was like, I mean, she was built. Like it was amazing. The veins would pop out. And, and even in her younger years, apparently she could outwork her brothers on the farm. Like she was a hard work and nothing wasted kind of mentality. She was the type of person that at their house in Edmonton, lived in a nice neighborhood. She didn't plant any grass in the front yard. No, she planted potatoes. Why waste this good space here? And so it was her potato crop every year. You know, why the fuss of having grass and watering that when I can eat potatoes? She was also known to not waste when it came to family dinners. And, and after the meal, Charlotte's family loved these great big family dinners. And afterwards, the ants would all get up and, and they would start cleaning up. And what do you do? You pull out the liquor, right? You pull out the spatula. And for her, it was the liquor. Like she literally would scrape all the dishes and then she just would scrape all those scrapings from other people. Like, sorry if you're going to throw up right now, but there is, there is like a sewer here if you have to uh, based on, but you know, the gravy, the cranberry sauce, the turkey, the stuff, and just get it all in there. Nothing wasted. Even one time we were eating at this high-end buffet. Well, not super high-end, but uh, um, in, in Edmonton. 
and on my plate were the shrimp tails, you know, that you eat the shrimp and you pop, you know, and you kind of put it there and it's a little grisly or really grisly. She would clean those off my plate and just down the hatch, nothing wasted. She lived with this nothing wasted mentality. Here is what God is telling us, that gross illustration for you to understand when it comes to the gross, the difficult, the hard things in life, there's nothing wasted with God, nothing. Because he can use it all and he will use it all. And here's what he's saying, for the child of God, for those who love God, nothing is wasted. He can bring good from bad. He can bring good from any situation. And here, this reality is so vital that we understand this because sometimes we just walk in such failure and thinking we've just let God down. We've messed up so big, so much. And here, God's word is telling us nothing is wasted. But here's another caveat we must look at. Not all things are good. Let's get that clear. Yes, God can use all things for good, but not all things are good. This promise is not saying that all things are, are good because simply they're not. The loss of a spouse, marriage, a child, the loss of a job, an income, a house, a friendship, hopes and dreams that have been dashed, bad or sinful, selfish decisions or habits that we've made, an accident, an illness, abandonment, Mental illness, chronic pain, a learning disorder, natural disasters, a virus. These things are not good. We're not saying that it is. And so it's not just some sort of, you know, oh yeah, it's all good. It's not. And God's word is not telling us that they are. No, these things are awful. They're painful. They're difficult. And yes, sometimes it's from our own decisions. It's because of what we've done in squandering our time, our resources, from, from, from things that we wish and we live in regret in over the decisions we made. And sometimes it's a result of other people, what other people have said or done. Their careless activities, their mindless words at times, whatever it might be. And, and, and also this, the bad also comes because of the effects of just this broken world that we're living in. The groaning of this sin-cursed earth. It's why we have viruses. It's why we have uh, wildfires and earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and all these other things that go on. This, this creation, we talked a number of weeks ago, creation is groaning, it's broken. And we must remember God is not the author of evil. He does not cause all things. But he can take any and he can take all things and he can work in it for our lives to bring about his eternal plan. And here's what God declares. I declare this over your life today. This is from, from God's word that he can take any dirty, messed up, broken, bitter, cruel things, those things that have happened, and he bends them, and he shapes them, and uses them to serve his good purpose and will. But God's not going to remove the tragedies and the sicknesses in our lives, but he is promising to use it all, nothing wasted with God. Nothing is wasted. And there may be times, and I'm sure you've been there, many of you, and I've been there, where at times God has seemed incredibly absent, uncaring. But we have to understand, no, that's not true. He's actively involved working in the events. Even when we think he's absent, he is actively working for our good if we love God. And here's the final caveat that we see here. Our definition of good is different than God's. We need to readjust what our understanding of good is because we bring a 2021 North American 
relatively spoiled mindset to our understanding of good. And we must understand what is truly good. Verses 29 and 30 next week help us to see that, but we even see what that good is even here. For, for us, our definition of good, it's so finite. It's so here and now, and it's oftentimes incredibly selfish and incredibly self-centered. And so we must readjust what that is. You see, so oftentimes we think good, and when things are good, it's, it, 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 it means a bigger or a more stable income or bank account. Then things are good. If I only had this amount of money, then things will be good. If I have nicer, getting nicer, moving up in the world, possessions, cars getting a little nicer, motorcycles, play toys getting a little more and a little nicer, nicer house, these are good. These are the things we like to tell ourselves, this is the good that God's going to bring from me. He's going to bless me in these ways. Or it's good food with great friends, all laughing and loving life. And you, you take those pictures, Ed, those group selfies of you just eating that big juicy steak and enjoying that beverage and laughter and everyone's beautiful and, because that's good. I mean, again, that's what we think is good. Or good, we might think, is having a healthy or a somewhat fit body. Then that's good. We, or we might think good is having a clear mind, having a good education. Maybe good is just freedom from the dark clouds that infiltrate your thoughts and thinking throughout the day. If those could only be gone, then life would be good. Or maybe our definition of good is loving having a loving family or friends around us. Or maybe it's just, I need a vacation. That would be good. Now, all these things are good, and there's nothing wrong with them. But all these things are incredibly finite and oftentimes incredibly shallow or quite self-centered oftentimes. It's about prosperity or, or loving rela re relationships in our lives with very little pain and suffering that we just can kind of float along by and life is good and we can sing as we go. God's idea of good is far better, far more complete and far more infinite than ours. His good is that you and I would become more like Jesus, that we would reflect our big brother. And God is coordinating the universe towards that end because one day, one day we'll see in verse 30, we will be glorified. One day we will be like Jesus. We will in a new body, in a new location forever with Jesus, our big brother. That will happen one day. And he's coordinating the events in our lives even now for us to be able to experience that good even now. We see that ultimate end in verse 30. It's glorification, whereby God is determined that he will one day bring us home to himself. Experience the beauty and the glory of heaven forever and ever. But until then, there's going to be some screaming, some groaning, and at times we're not going to understand what is happening. There was a young dad, read this story this week, who had a two-year-old son who was not physically well and, and that young boy needed surgery. And the surgery would make a huge difference in all of their lives and especially physically for their young son. But prior to the surgery, they were not allowed to feed their son for 24 hours. And as the father walked around the house trying to hold and console his crying son, screaming, 
He was confused. How come I can't eat? How come I can't eat? How can you explain that to a two-year-old so they can understand? And his father was trying to get his son to understand, but it wouldn't work. And, and his, father was his father was essentially saying, I promise you there's a really good reason. There's a really good reason for this. And as he was holding and consoling his son, it hit him in a, in a powerful way. It hit him that this is what it must be like for God. At times, holding and consoling us as we go screaming through life and say, God, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get this. And God is saying, I promise you, there is a reason. There is good coming. Just wait. Just hold on. Just trust me. This experience is not purposeless. It's not meaningless. It's not a waste of time. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. You know, this message this week has caused me to reflect in my own life about some of the difficulties and battles, some of the losses and the dark night of the soul in my own life, and how in the midst of those times where it seemed at times no purpose, no rationale, didn't make sense, just desiring to serve God and these things happen, and there's times that God has seemed incredibly distant and far off or else really slow and or, or inactive, or he didn't get the memo of all the things I wanted him to do to make my life better. And yet, as I tried, never perfectly, but tried and did, at times just with my fingertips, cling to Romans 8, 28. I've looked back at those situations and I say, oh God, that's what you were doing. Oh God, you're so good. Oh God, you're amazing. Look at what's happened. I've been able to look back and say, you've been doing, look at what you've been molding and shaping and changing in my life and the people around me and the new opportunities and what you've done in and through this. But then there are some of those situations I don't know and I won't fully understand perhaps until heaven. Yet God has been faithful. And this past week has moved me at times to be thinking of family, people from our own church, people in churches where I've ministered in over the years and how Romans 8:28 has been lived out in people's lives one of the men in our church here at hope battled cancer and when he went into renal failure he was given a 5% chance of surviving and yet God miraculously spared his life and though there was plenty of suffering and a struggle for him and the family even i believe physical struggles to this day yet he gives God, grateful praise and testimony to the goodness and the power of God. Romans 8, 28, he would declare, it was worth it all. It was worth it. I've stood with people over the years who have suffered major setbacks and failures and loss, the loss of a job, marriage, family, loved ones, even that of an infant child. And so many times I've reminded them of this verse, but when I've done that, I've literally taken a step back. I've taken a step back from where we were standing because I was concerned that they might just want to punch me in the face. Because here I am saying this verse that if we trust God, God can. And if we drive a stake down today, God can and he will bring good from this hell that you're going through right now. But I took a step back because I'm sure there's times even people wanted to punch me and say, there's just no way. But as I shared with them, if you trust and you love God, clinging to him, even if it's with just your fingernails and you open his word and you trust him, 
There will be a time, six months, we'll come right back to this very spot. We'll come back one year from now and we will come back to this spot and give testimony and thanksgiving to God. You don't know how many times six months or a year later we've gone back and we have given that testimony to God. But I've also watched, sadly, those who have become bitter towards God. Towards God and towards others and the train wreck that has followed since then. I also reflected on some other stories and reached out to some people this week. One of the ladies, one of the families in our church, lost her first husband in a tragic car accident 13 years ago. While she was pregnant with their second child, and their first son was almost two years old. When I asked her this week to text me the good, the Romans 28 that she experienced, she shared a number of things with me. Here's a bit of what she said. The good that came from losing Preston was that many souls were saved from people hearing our story. How awesome is that? We saw the body of Christ truly wrap its arms around us and selflessly love us and care for us financially and physically. And today God has given her a husband, Kevin, along with two more boys. And more recently they've moved in just down the street from us, so we're actually thinking about moving now uh, because there goes the neighborhood uh, with them. No, not at all. And, but she went on in her text and she said, but honestly, the greatest good that I can see is that God gave me more of himself. Through his word and the body of Christ, I learned of his incredible character, his faithfulness, his love, and his power. I learned to depend on him for all things. And she would admit at times it was with her fingernails. She was holding on to God. I faced anger, she said, towards God and people, a lot of it. But he was gentle with me, and I, as I tearfully and angrily opened his word, knowing, though, it would bring life. He transformed my thinking, renewing me day after day. He is so kind, and I am forever grateful. He can bring good. I also reached out to a family, some dear friends of ours from Alberta, from a church where we served a number of years ago. There was a couple very involved in the church. They were unable to have children, naturally. One Sunday morning, an older couple came into our church. They were foster parents. And they came in the door with the cutest little five-year-old blonde cutie that you could imagine. They were this little girl's new or latest foster parents. And they asked if I knew of any young couples in the church that might be able to provide some respite and maybe even adopt. This little girl in her five years had been in four, in the last four years of her life had been in five foster homes. The last home planned to adopt her. They even had a forever family party for her right before Christmas. But then after Christmas, dropped her off at this foster family's home with no explanation, said, here, she's yours. Enter this young couple. They took her and loved her, adopted her, and rebuilt that broken trust. But most importantly, they shared and demonstrated the love of Jesus Christ to her. Today, she's a young mom. Her and her husband love Jesus, and her five-month-old son is growing, and he's a real cutie. 
Listen to what she messaged me this week when I asked her about Romans 8.28 in her life. She wrote this. My behaviors would turn bad. I essentially hated everyone. I just didn't understand. There was just so much hurt, pain, and anger that built up. There was a darkness that no child should have to go through. But do I feel bad for myself? Nope. Not one bit. I am thankful that this is my story. I wouldn't change a thing. I reminded myself that God is good. He doesn't cause this pain in the world, but he's in it with us and he knows what we are going through. That'll preach, wouldn't it? And he waits on us to make the choice of accepting and trusting him regardless of the situation. God still waits at the door. He shows himself to us. He makes everything just. He justifies us, which includes all the wrong and the hurt. We all have a choice, she said. God uses our pain for his good. He makes it good. So my past is no longer painful. I actually can have a lot of joy in it. I'm so thankful for my forever family, but I'm also a child of God. He's adopted me into his family, and that is the best identity and name I could ever have. Amen? Amen? There we go. I wonder what's your story today? What's your testimony? Where's the fight? Where's the screaming? Where's the wallowing? Where's the trusting? Where's the waiting? Where's the worshiping in the midst of it? Oh, that we would set our hearts and our minds and our affection into the one that we can truly trust and that we would press into God, even if it's just our fingertips today. The second promise, and we won't get to it today, but you see it there on the screen. You see it in your notes. God promises that he's got me. We'll look at that, Lord willing, next week. In order to properly understand verse 28, this is why just just kind of verse bombing into one verse and jumping in and out isn't good. We need to see it in context, and Lord willing, we'll see that next week as we walk through what we're facing. But as we end here this morning and go into a time of remembering and celebrating and worshiping around the Lord's Supper, and maybe you're listening today and you're saying with your inside voice, Melden, sounds good. You're pretty amped up, but it's a bunch of garbage. I don't believe it. That's okay. That's okay for you to say that or to think that in your head. Because you're thinking, how could the death of a loved one, a natural disaster, a spouse, the loss of a spouse, a divorce, a disease, a virus, what I'm facing right now, how could it be good? You're crazy. You're crazy, man. Believe me, though, when you are in the midst of the battle and the struggle, without Christ, you're without him. You're on your own. And you're not going to see the good and you're not going to understand it. It will be hard and it will be impossible to see it. But where there is faith, and even at times, the faith the size of a mustard seed, that God, I believe that you can, you will bring good wherever you're at this morning, whatever you are facing, whatever the situation from the past, the present, or the fear regarding the future. Whatever you are facing right now, you need to drive the stake in the ground and say, Romans 8, 28, I choose to trust in God. Stake your claim on Romans 8, 28. And perhaps it's God, I have no idea. I can't see the good. But God, I'm even having a hard time trusting you right now, but I'm going to trust by faith. Even if with, just by my fingernails. Believing that you and your way and in your time, you will bring good.
in this life or eternity to come. This morning, you need to remember Jesus. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we must remember that he came to seek and to save and to serve the lost. That he took the greatest tragedy. He was betrayed, arrested. The Son of God, the perfect Son of God, accused falsely, blasphemed against, beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a cross between two criminals, suffered and died alone. There was nothing good on that day. And yet, what do we call that day now? We call it Good Friday. An injustice on so many levels, in the spiritual realm as well as here on this earth. And yet, God has worked it for his eternal purposes. And today, as we remember, as we take part of the Lord's Supper, we eat the bread signifying his broken body. We drink the juice representing his shed blood on our behalf. And Jesus came and gave himself in surrender to God the Father and gave his life for us. And the Lord's Supper, and as you'll see it there, there's little packets placed on your table. This is, this is not for everyone, though. This is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you have not done this, if you're not living for Jesus today, please don't partake. Parents, your children should only participate if they have truly responded to the gospel personally, that you, you know that, and you've been discipling them in that way and towards this Lord's Supper. And today as the band sings this song, may we turn our eyes upon Jesus. May we surrender our lives to Jesus yet again and again. And again, today, tomorrow. Surrender those situations, past, present, the hopes and dreams. Surrender it to him. And maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Cry out to him in your heart today, admitting you are sinful, that you deserve punishment, you deserve death. And then by faith, believing that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross paid for and covered your sins. Receive him today as your Lord and Savior. Run from your plan, run from your agenda and surrender to his. And then partake with us as a follower of Christ. Just a reminder, the very first top part that you open up will reveal a nice little wafer for you. The second one, the juice. And as the band sings, you spend some time in prayer, driving that stake down, confessing areas of sin before God examining yourself that, hey, where am I at with God today? This is a great reset time for us to be able to look at our lives and say, Jesus, the things I face, the things I will face, I surrender it to you and I trust you. Would you bring good? And so, Father, even now, as we remember the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate bad, the terrible, the worst thing that could have ever happened in this universe, God's son dying on a cross, it became the best thing because that's how we find and receive our salvation. And we can then declare that you are at work in all things for our good. And God, help us to have the faith as we partake, as we repent, as we surrender, and as we return and run to you today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.